I just give our entire team here just a, a big thanks and all the guys, all the guys in the back. Thank you guys tirelessly every, every week so that, you know, we can worship without any distractions. And sometimes, as you know, there's technical stuff that goes on and we just deal with it. I was like, wow, we're still worshiping, even though we don't have the words on the screen. So glad, to, I am so glad, to, man, I just feel like God is going to do something amazing this morning. Can you feel that? I just feel, he's in the house. He wants to do something in every single one of us. I believe that. I want you to believe with me, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that we have this day. Thank you we have this amazing facility, God, all of this for you, Lord. And, and most of all, God, we thank you that you love us. You never stop loving us. You never give up on us, God. You are God of all the earth, everything, God, is yours. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move mightily in this place. Convict us, move us, challenge us, move us to the next level, God. I pray for not a comfortable Christianity. I pray today, God, open our eyes, push us over the, the edge of faith just to step out and out of our comfort zone and say, God, whatever it takes, Lord, I'm with you, Jesus. Do something wonderful, God, with my life. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, amen. 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 Let's give God one more. God is so good. I just, I want to take a second and invite you to something very special this once a month. It's last Tuesday of every month. We have our prayer meeting, our prayer gathering. And I just want to say out of the get-go, if you have a heart for prayer, we want you here. If you don't have a heart for prayer and you need something, I want you to be here. And I sincerely mean that. This prayer meeting is not where everybody's standing and praying. You can do that if you want, but there's a place and there's a moment where if you just need prayer, if you need something, if you know somebody that needs something, I really want to ask you to come 7 o'clock. You can come late. You can leave early. It's not that. It's not a service where it starts and ends and just kind of formal. You just come from 7 to 8. We have full children's ministry here. So if you have kids, grandchildren, whatever, we really want you to come to prayer night. I have a firm conviction that unless we pray, unless we're a praying church, we will have no power. And if there's anything the church of Jesus Christ needs in America today, it's power again. We need God's power. We need his strength. We need his leading we don't need slick programs. We need Jesus. We need the power of God back in the church. And the power of God comes through prayer. So I really want you to be here with us praying. Also, um, we have some life change here. I just want to take a second. We're in a series called uh, Lost and Found, which we'll get to in a moment. But I never get tired of telling the stories of people who give their lives to Jesus Christ or recommit their lives to Jesus Christ here at NVCC. So... Right after second hour, I know this, you know, this is the spiritual crowd. You're here early. But um, would you please be praying for Lori, Madison, Hunter, Tristan, and Damien. They have all given their lives to Jesus Christ, and they're going to be baptized after the second service. So please pray for them. It's about life change. It's about, it's about transformation. It's about heart change. It's about people saying yes to Jesus Christ. And now I want to be a follower of Christ. And we want to help just invite you into that. So um, also, I wanted to just let you know that um, during Thanksgiving, literally Thanksgiving Day, we have a Spanish-speaking service that takes place simultaneously to the 11 o'clock service. We're so grateful that we get a chance to reach our um, Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters in our community. Pastor Julio leads that service. And I just want to let you know that um, nobody asked him to do that. Our staff didn't get together um, and say, hey, I think this would be a good idea. He said, hey, Pastor Mike, I think we need to feed some people on Thanksgiving who are just in need. 
dude, go for it. Make it happen. That's what Jesus would do, right? So I just want you to know on Thanksgiving Day, there was over 50 people here with a meal given by many of you. And I'm just so grateful that it's just all about people. It's all about giving, right? And we just want to keep on giving. Now, if you're like me, I don't ever want to stay in a comfortable place. I want to be on the edge. I want to be on the roller coaster for Jesus. There's fear, there's trepidation, there's tension, but there's also excitement all in one. That's the kind of faith I want to live. I don't want to just sit around on some shelf waiting for Jesus to come back and hope something happens. There's that element of partnering with the Holy Spirit and saying, God, by faith, I'll do whatever you call me to do, and I trust you, God, for the rest. We're going to be talking today out of Luke chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 16, we're going to be in verses 1 through 14. We'll get as far as we can. And um, before we read the text, I, I always like a little bit of context to the text. I just want to tell kind of the story around the story that Jesus is going to tell because it helps me to appreciate and get the deeper meaning of what God is trying to communicate to us. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm always into shock value. I like shock value. I like abruptness. I like spontaneity. I like, you know, just whatever you got, whatever you got, whatever you, whatever you want, just, just hit me with it. So every year I have kind of a personal tradition, uh, Christmas, during Christmas season, the day after Thanksgiving, I will watch one of my favorite movies of all time, It's a Wonderful Life. Anyone here seen that movie? Yeah! I love that movie. Never get tired of it. I've probably seen it 20 times, and I cry every time at the end. But this is a story, if you haven't seen it, it's a story that has a lot of shock value to it, and it certainly has a surprise ending. George Bailey, who grows up in Bedford Falls, um, takes the family business after his father passed away, a, a loan business. And so um, he kind of is this, um, in this place of feeling complacent and feeling like his life doesn't really measure up to anything. He watches his two brothers make incredible accomplishments, both business and in military, and he always kind of felt like he was second class. And so during that time, he, um, one of his uh, associates uh, with a transaction lost $8,000 of cash that was supposed to be deposited. Now, back in you know, the 1930s or 40s, whatever this was, um, that was a huge amount of money. So they lost the deposit, and now he begins to freak out. I mean, he is stressed out to the point that he's even thinking of taking his own life because he knows that his business is going to go bankrupt. He has nothing else to live for. He thinks his life doesn't matter anyway. And so as he's standing over the bridge, ready to jump into the river to take his own life, God sends a guardian angel to him. And in that moment, he says, I wish I'd never been born. And the, I love the scene where the guardian angel says, oh, really? I think we can do something about that. In fact, then he gives him a window, a process to see what his life would have been like if he never would have been born. It's just a phenomenal storytelling with a shock value. During this time, he sees that his life really did amount to something. One man's life, one woman's life touches another life. Would you agree? And so at the end, towards the end of the movie, and I just blew it if you're going to watch it for the first time, but sorry, I have to tell it. I'm sorry. Um, towards the end of the movie, he rushes home and sees everything back the way it was. His family, his wife, and that's all that really matters to him. As he's running up the stairs and grabbing the knob off the top of the staircase, once again, he kisses it because he's so glad that he's home. He doesn't even care that he lost $8,000. He knows he's going bankrupt. It doesn't even matter. 
It's his family and relationships that are the most important thing. And then this is what I love, the shock value, is people start to run into his home because of his wife, Mary, told the entire town of what happened to George, that he lost this money. And previous to this, George had helped all of these people buy a home in this little tiny town. And if it wasn't for George, you know, giving the money to them and on loan and sometimes on a verbal agreement... Um, those people wouldn't even have a home. So they come back and start dropping all this money into this huge basket. Do you remember this? It's even more, it's even, watch this, it's even more than the $8,000 that he lost. And at the end of the story, at the end of the movie, you just, there's just tears and joy and the shock value isn't what I expected. It's not what I certainly expected when at the very first time I saw it. I say that to say this, Jesus is going to tell a story to a group of people that were following him, his true disciples, his followers, but there are also some skeptics in the crowd that are overhearing a conversation that Jesus is now giving some teaching to his disciples about what it really means, what the kingdom really is all about and what it means to be found by God and helping other people to be found. So I want you to just just go with me for a moment. I want you to imagine that you have started a business that you've dreamed of. You have started, began your own business. And it's a little rocky at the beginning, this humble beginnings. And as you stuck with it and persevered and dedicated and devoted yourself to what you believe God was calling you to do, and you stuck to your convictions and you stuck to your values, the business begins to grow and it grows and it grows and it grows even further. And now you've got employees and you have managers and you have district managers and you have facilities and now you have taxes and you have all these things that encompass around a business owner's life. As you're looking through the books towards the end of the fiscal year, you happen to notice that there are some numbers that aren't matching the way that you've entrusted your manager, your supervisor, to run this part of the corporation for you. You have a good understanding. You're at a 30,000 foot level. You don't really get into the weeds. You hire people you trust. You give them a clear direction. You give them a job description, and they fulfill that for you. But this one employee has failed, failed miserably. And it seemed that he was, she was consistent all the way through until you notice that the books don't seem right. So you pull this person into your office and you say to them very quietly, um, I've noticed some discrepancies. There's no need for discussion. You're fired. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you for your help. You're now fired. And I'll give you a week to clean things out and finish things up. So your employee, your supervisor has a plan. I know what I need to do. I will go to the vendors. There are two major vendors and I will go to the vendors and I will call them. And as he gives them a call and as he communicates to them, how much do you owe the owner of this company? Let's just call it Google. Um, how much do you owe? They say, oh, we owe a thousand shares. It's, it's just way over and we're late. We're due. Make it 500 and everything's clean and everything's done and they do it. And you go to the next vendor and you do the very same thing. You cut it in half. When the boss, when you hear about this of your manager, you pull him, you pull her back into your office, you close the door and you say to them, amazing job. I can't believe you did this. This is, I commend you for what you did. Is that what you would do? 
No, but that's the shock value of the story. Jesus wants to get a point across to us so vividly, so clearly, that he gives us a shock value at the end of the story that brings truth. Can we read this together? Because I don't want to miss anything. In Luke chapter 16, we're going to read down to verses 1 through 15. 1 through 15. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Isn't it interesting that that very first verse, wasting his possessions, if we go back to the previous chapter, 15, remember Jesus talked about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Do you remember when the lost son wasted everything? We're staying with the same thing here. I just wonder if there's anybody here that's ever felt like they've wasted something. Have you feel like you've gone into a far country and wasted something of your life? I'm sure we all have. Maybe it's just me. Okay, verse two. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot manage any longer. Basically, in nice words, he's saying, you're gone, you're done. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master has taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So we called in each one of his master's debtors. We'll call them vendors. And he asked the first, how much do you owe my master, my boss? Well, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. And the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light, that's us. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property on your own? Let's just stop here for a moment. I don't know about you, but I certainly am now feeling the shock value. Would you agree? This doesn't make sense. This is almost weird. This almost like is unbiblical. It seems at face value. In fact, the very end of this, where Jesus is telling the story to his disciples, and he's saying to his disciples, not only is he commending, but the manager is now the hero of the story. It doesn't make sense. And then he's saying, by friends, Jesus, what are you talking about? That doesn't seem right to me. That doesn't seem like God, that's something God wanted me to buy friends. Well, let's look at this within its context. Within the context of the entire Bible, if we go back to the Old Testament, there was actually a time that Abraham, who was a very wealthy man, who was the starter of the Jewish race of people, he and Sarah, God called them to, he basically listens to God and God gives him a plan and a directive. 
And because his son needed to be married, remember in that culture, in that day, marriage was very important. It was kind of a status symbol of you. If you were not married, you were looked as less than. And so Abraham sent one of his men to Haram, and he said, I need you to go find my son a wife. His name was Eleazar from Damascus. Wouldn't that be great if we had a little bit of that culture? Because I know I could pick out the perfect wife for my boys, right? <laughs> or you can pick out the perfect husband for your girl. And so this wasted away and this active present participle in the Greek text means that this manager was in the active presence ongoing of being dishonest. It almost seems like Jesus is there's a paradox. It's almost like he's, he's commending for wrongdoing, but that's not really what's happening here. How much do you owe? Pay half and we'll make it clean. Now, here's where I just, I, I, I was laboring over this all week long, studying it, rereading it, rereading it, looking at commentaries and just everything I could possibly do to take in. Jesus, what is the message you have for me first today? And God, what is the message you have for your people? And if there's any guests here today that maybe just feel far away, feel like you've wasted time or wasted money or just wasted things and feel like you wanna come back home to God, what is the message, God, that you want for me, for your people, and for those of us that are here today just wanna come back to God? I have to remember the context is so important. Do you remember? It says that Jesus was speaking to tax collectors and sinners. Basically, he was talking to people who didn't give a rip about God. They didn't care about God. They didn't care about church life. They didn't care about what God was doing. All they were consumed with was their own life. Very selfish living. And it's very intriguing to me to know that Jesus spent a lot of time with people who didn't care anything about God, didn't even believe in Jesus, but Jesus spent time with them. I love that. I love that because I think one of the detriments of church life today in the big C church across the entire country is that we spend all our time with us. We spend all our time with Christians. We go to a Christian hairstylist. We go to a Christian banker. We go to a Christian loan officer. We have Christian friends. We go to Christian movies and everything's Christian. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's out of balance, there are people that are lost who need to be found. And God wants to use you and I to help them to be found. So in this context of tax collectors, they were the most hated, most vile, most vicious people besides a murderer and a rapist back in the day. They hated them. And here's the reason why. Because they coupled with the Roman government and because they were one about one thing and that was about money. It was about greed. It was about power. And how much can I pilfer my pockets with? And so this is what they would do. This is what the manager would do. There would be a set amount of money that he would collect from the vendors, collect from those debtors. And then he would tax them an exorbitant amount of money over and above what was the agreed amount. And so what the, the, the manager does here, he does something phenomenal. It's unheard of of a tax collector. He would go back to these debtors and he'd say, what do you owe my master? And that figure, he would cut it in half because he was taking his amount out that he was going to stuff in his pockets and saying, I'm going to forgo that. You with me? This changes the whole context. Now I understand why Jesus said, I commend you for what you did. 
Because you stopped being so selfish. You were stopping thinking about yourself. And the text here is so simple for us now to understand that unbelievers can be more devoted to worldly interest than the people of God are about the interest of God's kingdom. I, I wanna say that again. This is, this is the overlying context and the meaning of what Jesus is speaking to us today. Unbelieving people who give a rip about God, tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, all, all the people that Jesus hung out with can be more devoted to worldly interests than the people of God are about the interests of God's kingdom. That's not right. I think we should be the hardest working people on the face of the earth. I believe that. If you're a Christian, you should work hard. You should have values. You should have conviction. You should have integrity. And when you blow it on the workplace, you say, I am so sorry. I, 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 I will try harder to not let that happen again rather than cover, well, it really wasn't me, my coworker, and all the things that we do try to cover up. We should be the ones that don't take things from the office. We should be the ones that are encouraging others. I, I, say, I, have, I have one of my dreams I have for business people here in the OC, if you're a business owner, is for you to say, find the Christians and hire them. Yeah. Because they're the most honest, hardworking people on the face of the earth. We gotta have them. They're the most dedicated, devoted, smart, shrewd, purposeful, and strategizing. And that's what all this means is that the people of the world work so hard. You ever seen men and women who are in business or really consume with their business? They get on the plane, they're looking at the phone, they're on their laptop, they're, 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 they're looking at the stock market, looking at what's Jeff Bezos doing? How much is he worth? They're, they're looking, they're searching, they're looking for the business. They're looking for strategizing ways to continue to improve and grow. And as soon as the person comes on, the pilot says, all electronic devices need to be turned off. We are now climbing to our estimated elevation. And then as soon as the descent happens, the phone is back on and they're looking back on the, what's going on in the stock market? How did my stocks change? What's happening with this business deal? If we did that as believers, if we did, not, not talking about money, there's nothing wrong with making lots of money. It's just, what do I do with that money, right? We wanna advance the kingdom, which we'll get to in a second. But if we did that about God's kingdom, Look, these are the souls, God, that you've put in my life. How is this person coming closer to Jesus Christ? What can I pray for for this person? I noticed that the other day when I was standing out of my mailbox, my friend Matt opened up a conversation about the Lakers. And so that means, how can I learn more about the Lakers to identify with him so that I can show him that, you going with me with this? That God loves him. It's not about Lakers basketball. It's about taking an interest in the things that he likes, the things that he loves, so that he show, it shows that God cares about the very things that he cares about. Even if you don't like LeBron. It's okay. I'm studying. I'm looking at the Lakers and seeing where's the win record? How could they have done better? How can they change their strategy so that I can converse with him to show him that I care about him? The things that he cares about is what I care about. You see, if we strategized about people first, rather than my bank account, the stock market, what's happening with crypto, and, and again, it's not wrong to do that, but when I have it out of balance, Jesus is making a point here that's so crystal clear for us today. I want you to be about my kingdom first. 
It's my kingdom first. It's about people. It's about advancing the people of God. It's about people getting saved and becoming disciples. It's about people's lives being transformed from the inside out. And I'm not going to peel away the clouds, God says, and speak from heaven the way I used to. I'm now going to use you. I'm going to use my people. I'm going to use the people that have responded to me, that knew they were lost. I found them. I saved them by the cross of Jesus Christ and the precious blood of Christ that forgives us of all the stuff we've ever done wrong. Think about this for a moment. Every rotten thing you've ever done has been forgiven. Every rotten thing you've ever thought of has been forgiven. You are saved. You are going to heaven. You are forgiven. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are heirs, co-heirs with Christ, Romans 8 says. You are part of his family. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And now because of that, you are so transformed. It is people first. God's kingdom first. He wants you to live in God's, his favor. And the motivation for all of this out of the story that Jesus told, please, please, I don't want anyone to leave here. I beg of you, do not leave here thinking, well, I have to do this now. I don't want it to be that kind of Christianity. I want you to leave here going, I get to do this now. We have a privilege to do this. I want to do this. I feel sorry for Christian people who are like, yeah, I guess we gotta go to church. I guess we gotta sing. I guess we gotta give money. I guess we gotta take communion. I guess we have to do this. It's what we've always done and I have to. There is no have to's. I mean, of course God gives commands and there are some commands that we say, okay, God, I really don't wanna do this, but I'm gonna do this because I trust you and I know you want me to do it. But the majority of stuff is because we get to. We get to help orphans across the border. We get to help our Spanish speaking brothers and sisters who don't have enough and feed them a meal. We, we, we get to help the kingdom advance and help an entire family give their life to Jesus Christ. And, and, and Lori King is her, all her children, they're all getting baptized today. We get to help them. We get to assist them. We get to advance the kingdom in their life. So there's no guilt here. There's no have to's. We get to. And then the first thing I want to say today out of this, what do we do about this? Is we are accountable on how we manage our life. This is really not about money and things, although that's a metaphor, that's a reference point. Yes, we do have things. In fact, one third of the parables that Jesus taught was about money. It was because he knew that if we don't manage money well and things and possessions, it can get so out of balance that we become unhappy, right? And so he wants us to have a great life. God wants us to have a devoted life, a surrendered life to him. And so it's good, 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 good for me to know. It's good for me to be reminded this morning that I am accountable on how Mike Myola manages the things he has because it's all his anyway. It's all his. He's just given me on loan the ability to manage it. And as the scripture is saying, those who are faithful with little... I will give you more. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I gotta tell this because it's just, it's such a a wonderful illustration. When Jonathan and Michael were little, we were in Target one day and Jonathan wanted to buy the Star Wars Legos thing and I could hear on the other end of the aisle, Jonathan wanted the Star Wars Legos and he's opened up his wallet and says, dad, I don't have enough money. I was on the other side of the aisle. I hear Michael, his older son by two years, open up his wallet and say, that's okay, Jonathan, I'll cover you. I didn't ask him to do it. I didn't tell him to do it. He just did it. Now, I wish I could tell you that my sons did that every day for everything. But what I want to say is that snapshot right there, that is exactly, 
I wanted to give my son another $20 bill, not because he asked for it, not because he worked for it, because of his generosity, I wanted to bless him with even more. I just believe there's a principle with God. The more that we give, the more that we surrender, the more that we are holding things loosely in this life so that we can advance the kingdom first, he will replenish it with even more. And those blessings might come monetarily. Those blessings might come uh, possessionally. Those, those, sorry, that may not even be a word possessionally, but with more possession. Or it might come in spiritual ways. God may want to heal some things in your marriage. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just gets in there like glue. And sometimes he solves problems that we try to solve ourselves. And God does it because of a generous heart. I have seen these things happen in my own life. I'll be stressing about 25 things. And because God's helped me to stop focusing on me. It's not about me. It's about you and people. And I get myself off of myself and get them onto others. I'm amazed at how God can solve problems. The problems don't seem as big because there's a principle that he's teaching us. It's about kingdom living first. It's about lost people getting saved and becoming followers of Jesus. I don't know if you heard this, but there was a man who decided in his life that he was going to be a good manager. And so in his living room, he decided to build picture frames. And out of his garage, he sold picture frames. And many, many years later, you know it, called Hobby Lobby, is now one of the most successful businesses on planet Earth. Because I believe he devoted everything to God. There is one of the reasons I know that is I've read things about him, but then when I tried to drive up on Sunday morning to Hobby Lobby and it's closed, right? Because he has a conviction. We're going to worship God and we're going to give my employees the day off to worship God. Funny to me how they're not going out of business. Interesting to me that they're making more money. And what's he doing with his money? He's advancing the kingdom. So many opportunities he has to give and to bless others over this vast amount of area we called earth that he's helping people to know Jesus Christ. Let me, let me just, I'm gonna, just through this as we wind this down, I just wanna help you with some practical ways of how do we put this together. I mentioned last week there's a thing called Giving Tuesday. You might have seen that all over the internet. It's a thing, it's a movement that started. I'm not sure of the exact details of it. I didn't have so much time to study it. All I know is it's there because I was studying for my sermon, so I got to focus on that. But bottom line is this, it's, they encourage everybody in America to give to a nonprofit organization last Tuesday. So Tuesday in my box, I opened up an envelope from one of our, one of our peeps, one of our MVCC people. It was a nice long note in there about how God blessed their life, changed their life, got them off drugs. He's incredibly just blessed of God and all these nice, beautiful things about MVCC and all of you really about how he loves to be here. And the check spilled out as I opened the letter and it, you know how a check can twirl? Oh, sorry. Checks are those things, those paper things that we used to write on. And I picked it up, and it said, Mission Vale Christian Church, $25,000. $25,000, right? Now, here's what I wrote this person back. After I was like, wow, amazing. Oh, my gosh, you, we, are, we are just finishing our children's and youth departments. That's going to help us because it was a little bit of over budget, not because of reckless spending or anything, but just because of things cost more and people don't show up to work and it takes longer and prices, prices go up on everything. So we just, 
I said, this is gonna help us in, in, in ways that you can't even, you, you don't even know. And, and, and then I wrote in the text, can't wait to see what's gonna happen to you now. See? So if anybody here has two million, <laughs> because that's what we owe on this property, I'll tell you what, before I leave, I wanna pay off this property. I wanna leave the next guy someday with a property that's, that's paid for, completely paid for. And I would like to just dabble into a little bit of that now. I would love to put more money into ministry more money into more staff members, more money into missions, more money into projects within our city that help lost people to know that the church isn't here to get something from you. The church is here to give you something. The greatest gift is eternal life. And sometimes the best way to do that is to feed somebody, help somebody. There was a lady that's bedridden. She's part of our church here. Her name is Angela. She can't get to church because of just physical chronic illness, but she watches online and she's always writing encouraging notes. And she called every single Thanksgiving year. She always, she goes down in her electric wheelchair to Ralph's and she buys like 10 turkeys and all the stuffing and everything. And she brings it to the church and she says, just give it to people who are in need. And it blesses a family every single year. I thank God for her. And I see God doing amazing things in her. This year, they got to cook the turkeys and do it here on campus. My point is this, she's getting blessed. Proverbs 11.30 says this, the seeds of a good deed become a tree of life. The seeds of a good deed, no matter how small, no matter how big it is, becomes a tree of life. It grows. And here's my favorite part of the verse. And a wise man, a wise woman saves souls. You want to see a church full of wisdom, a church full of power? People are getting saved because we care, because our priorities are people first. A pastor um, of a church back in Atlanta had a visiting big church, 10,000 people. Uh, One lady stepped up after the service was over and met with the pastor and said, hi, you don't me, but I know you. He says, oh, tell me about that. You were in my restaurant, I'm a waitress. He looked at her and said, oh, I remember now. She said, I knew you were the pastor of that big church in town. Now watch this. I was watching how much you were going to tip me. (laughs) You know, one of the saddest things I heard from one of the waitresses that got saved here about six months ago, she works in bartending and she's a waitress. She says, the Christians come in and I know who they are because they bow their head and they pray. This is before she got saved. And she said, they would stiff me. They would give me dollar bills. They wouldn't give me, not all Christians, but some of them wouldn't even help tip me what it was worth to serve them. She said, I came back to your church because you were so overly generous. I'm here. See the little things in life? Hopefully the Holy Spirit is now firing off all the shock value of all these things that we can do for people. Why? Because it's about lost people getting saved. It's not about me getting my Holy Spirit on. It's not about me having a fulfilling Sunday. It's not about me having everything fall into place and I got all the green lights on my way to work on Monday. It's not about, you know, everything fall. I get the best parking spot at Christmas time. It's not about that. It's about people. It's about letting someone else have the parking spot. It's, it's about waiting for the person who's crossing against, I can just squeeze in before they get in the crosswalk and turn right on that red light, but it's about waiting for someone and waving. You never know, you never know 
the smallest of things, the difference it can make. Why? To save souls. One family did this at Chick-fil-A while they're waiting in that long drive through line. They decided to pay, didn't know the person, didn't know the car behind them, they decided to pay for the person behind them in the drive through line. This is what the young guy, probably his first job, he was 16 years old, he says, I've never, the person in front of you paid for your meal. He says, I've never seen anything like this before. It makes an impact, the smallest of things. What Jesus is communicating here, it's not about hoarding. It's not about keeping all my money. It's about giving, saving, and spending in that order. My wife and I have always, and this is before I was a pastor. I tell you the honest to God's truth. Before I was even a pastor, we decided because God had saved us. How could I say no to God? How could I hold anything back from God? God, everything is yours. And we are going to purpose to give you our first fruits, Lord. When there's opportunity to help somebody or give to my church, whatever, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to trust you. And then you told me to save because there someday family and all these expenses are coming and then spend properly, God. How would you spend this money, Jesus? How would you appropriate the possessions that you've given me? How would you manage the home that I now live in to... To, to advance the gospel with what you've given me. That's the real question. And so the second thing I want to ask you to do is build relationship with lost people. Build relationships with them. Don't, 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 don't put a distance between you and your unsaved friends. Those, and, and if you're here and you're not a Christian yet or thinking about being a Christian, I don't think or we don't think you're less than at all. I just, and I'm not meaning to talk about you like you're not here, but I'm just saying we all got a lot of lost people in our life. We were lost Lest we think we're all that in a bag of chips, we're not. We were lost. Never forget where you came from. You never forget where you were. How Jesus rescued you out of the depths of despair. Well, I was really never in the depths of despair. Oh, really? Really? You never hit, you never sinned. You never did anything wrong. You never rebelled against God. You never ran away from God. You never lied, cheated, stole. You never got caught in your mess. Man, if I had time and listed all the things that I've done in my life, you probably wouldn't come to this church. But thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God that he saved us, right? So build relationships with them. Hang out with them. Go to the Christmas parties with them. Invite them over to your house. Go to the ball games. Do things with them. Don't do what they do, but be with them. Right? And number three is this. We all have the same amount of time, don't we? Is this right? It is. I'm almost done with the sermon. <laughs> we all have the same amount of time. The question is, how are you, how am I, using the time God gave me? This story that Jesus told, this shock value story that has a weird twist and a weird ending, it's not really about money. It's about heart. And the second thing that we all have here in South County is we have a lot of this. I wish this was real because I'd drop this right in the offering plate and just say, Lord, it's all yours. But here's the deal. What we get trapped into, and I find myself doing the very same thing. Well, if I had more, I'd give more. No, you wouldn't. It's true. Some people that might be true, but generally that's not true. Statistics and stuff that I've read, that's really not true. If I have little and I give God first fruits, then I believe there's a blessing that comes. And it's fun to give, isn't it? It's fun. 
It's fun to give back to people, your time, your money, your resources. Hey, you need my car? Need to stay in a room at my house? Here, you need uh, money to get things going? What, uh, here, we're here to help you. I'll close with this and then, and then we'll be done. Give, save, and spend. If you have notes there, give, save, and spend. It's so simple, isn't it? I was on my way to work about three weeks ago and on the radio, sometimes I listen to, oh, that radio is the thing that we used to have in our cars, remember? <laughs> Spotify and all that, I got that too. But some, once in a while, I just like to listen to some news radio. What's going on in the world this morning? Jeff Bezos. Jeff, if you're watching, baby, please listen to me on this one. This is the guy that took our, pro- excuse me, purchased the property that we were looking at about 250,000 yards from here on Geronimo and Alicia, the Amazon distribution store. We wanted that property for our school, our church, the whole deal. They only wanted $40 million for it. And then we had to, you know, demo the whole thing and start over. So this was about 10 years ago. We just didn't have the resources at the time. So Jeff comes in and I'm so happy for Amazon. Because when my wife orders stuff, it's like Christmas every day. I'm like, what did we buy now? What is she doing? Here's what I heard on the radio. Jeff is going to give most of his money that he has away before he dies. Did you hear that? If the world, I don't know where he is with faith. I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with him. How much can you write the check out for, Jeff? For the church. But if he can do that, what could we do? So here's my first thought is, I'm going to write him a letter. So I asked, I asked our receptionist, Kelly, I said, could you get me the address, the main office for Amazon? Because I'm writing him a letter. And I thought, well, if I handwrite it and I take some pictures of kids club and our after school daycare programs and our preschool and let them know that we're not just a Sunday morning, you know, church, but we have outreaches to the community, but we're under this $2 million debt. $2 million is like two pennies to him, right? If we could get out from under that debt, there'd be so much more freedom to do more ministry, right? So I'm thinking if I handwrite it, then he might take note of it and send some pictures and stuff. And then I thought, no, I'll professionally do it. I'll have Kelly do it because she's a better writer than I am. And I'll just have her do it. And then I'll put Missionville Christian Church on the, and then the Lord spoke to me and says, yeah, that's all good. You can do that. But what are you doing? See, I think I want to finish on that. Lord, I just thank you so much for your loving kindness. Lord, sometimes it's hard to come to church. It's hard to come to a church service. We admit that, God, because sometimes I get hit spiritually right between the eyes or I feel like I get hit on the side of the head with a two by four. But I thank you that there's shock value. I thank you because I want to be more like you. At Missionville Christian Church, God, we want to be more like you, Jesus. So help us, God. Help us to step out in faith and trust you with our time and our talent and money and resources and everything that you've given. We have so much here, God. We want to be the kind of people that lost people look at and say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hear about your God. I'll come to your church because we simply loved you and love people. That's our prayer, God. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that's just not sure about what it means to give their life to Jesus right now, God, I pray there is a holy moment for us to do that, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.
this last portion of the service just to, to kind of finish things off. We always want to just give you some time to pray and just sit with the Lord at that last supper table and be able to just be in the moment to thank him, especially over Thanksgiving weekend. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again to make all this possible. It's because he gave everything, right? And this is a wonderful time just to take a moment as the music is playing, just say, thank you, God, I'm saved. Help me to be a good manager. I thank you, God, without you, I'd be lost. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.